can get started. Okay, great. Uh, like to uh welcome everyone to another episode of That's All Funny. Uh, my guest today is a legendary, at least you know to me, Israeli writer, <laughs> Israeli writer, director, uh, Edgar Carrot. Is that how you say the last name? I always yeah, was, yeah. I always thought it was Carrot. No, sorry. it's it's Carrot. It's it's funny because Carrot means in Hebrew a a metropole, a big city. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first name, Edgar, means challenge. So basically, my name is Urban Challenge, which sounds like a Nike sneakers or something, you know, but that's my name. <laughs> Urban Challenge. I know my uh, my last name, Areola, sounds like the uh, the nipple. And, uh, <laughs> it, you know, everyone says that, oh, you, you're like a nipple or something. I'm like, yeah, I come from a long line of nipples. Uh, <laughs> No, I I want to thank you for your time today, sir. I I've grown up reading your stories, and they inspired me so much because I was uh into creative writing, and I I would watch and read the stuff like Rod Serling would write for the Twilight Zone. Yeah, uh, like Raul Dahl, I know uh. He would the write short stories. Yeah. Yes. His short stories were just as uh, wonderful. And I held you up to that, uh, that bar. Cause your stories are so it's like a flash fiction. Uh, I guess, I don't know if that's the term to call it, but I always loved your stories. Cause they, they sound, the dialogue is a lot like people, how they speak, you know, like, yeah you know, where people stutter or people say, oh, I don't know, you know, even though you could look up this information and write it in there. And I've always loved uh, the imperfect, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not saying you're, you're writing imperfections uh, purposely, but I love that it sounds like a real person, you know, like someone. It's like with... kind of a, like stonewashed language. It's like somebody wore, wore that language before. Yeah, no, and and I've always loved uh, your writing. I, I cannot recall when I first uh, read it. It was a long time ago. Because right now here, I've got the old uh, um ah the bus driver, yeah, yeah, the bus driver wanted to be God, and I remember reading um the story, the bus driver that wanted to be God, and had the idea of like, you know uh gods existing or people feeling like they have that god complex and they kind of do you know like they do have this power almost with the bus driver and i always thought of it in terms of uh, a child with an ant an ant hill and they can can step on it uh uh-huh they can kill the ants they can give them a piece of bread to have food for the day and i always wondered um like what inspired that for you that story did you do you believe in like a a god or a higher power or you know kind of amongst us uh, well first of all i i believe that there are many many things that are beyond our our understanding or our human grasp uh, but the thing is that the moment that the, let's say a religion you have a institutionalized religion 
the things that I'm suspicious is not that, let's say, God exists. Is that there are some people who, who tell me that they know what he wants. You know, because it's like I'm saying, look, I'm Jewish, you know, and I believe that there are forces that I don't understand. But if somebody says to me, you know what God wants you, wants, he wants you on Saturday, on Shabbat, not to drive your car. And I say, come on, you know, he's omnipotent, you know, this guy, he can, you know, what does he have? I'm just, go, I'm going to see my aunt. I'm going to come in 10 minutes. Come on, you know, lay back. <laughs> so, 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 so the idea is that I think that the uh, higher powers, they don't come with a manual. And, and you know, in the Bible and the and the and the New Testament or the Quran, in a sense, they they try to be some kind of manual. They say, we know for sure what God knows. And I say, well, come on, you know, this is higher power. You don't understand anything about it. What do you mean? It's so simple, it just doesn't want me to to make love to my neighbor's wife and everything be okay. What what's his thing with my neighbor? Why is he getting involved? Do I tell him how to live his own life? You know, it's really kind of a... I, I suspect that. I suspect the mediation, you know, the existence. I'm not a materialist. I'm, I would say I'm agnostic. And uh, about the story, the, the story, it, it, it's one day I live in Tel Aviv and one day I went to, to buy some groceries at the market. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's in Israel on Friday, we... You know, it's like it's kind of a half day because uh, they stop the public transportation. Everybody is very, very stressed. Everybody wants to get things done quickly. And as I was going down the main street, I saw uh, uh, this woman running after a bus, and she was this elderly lady, and she was running very slowly. And and the driver, I was sure that he saw her, but he kind of left the station, and and then there was a a, a stoplight, and he turned red just as he reached it. So this woman kind of reached his door and, you know, she wanted to get home. It's, it, she was stressed. So she was uh, banging on the door and the driver totally ignored her. And at some point, like she was so desperate that she puts her bag on the ground and she looked up at the driver because, you know, they're up there on the bus. And mm-hmm. she looked up and she did this motion. And the moment she did this motion, you know, the, the gates of the bus opened. <laughs> and she took her things and got up. And and when I looked at it, I thought, you know, how godlike bus drivers or for, for that purpose, any any human being is. You know, if, if I work in McDonald's and you tell me I'm a vegetarian, can you give me the bun without the hamburger? And I say, I'm sorry, sir, I can't do that, you know. Then I'm also kind of this little technocrat god who kind of uses my power, but at the same time, not kind of seeing things through other people's eyes yeah no it's it's crazy that just you simplify it so much but yeah it's like people have this power in normal life over other people you know it it almost determines their fate (laughs) you know so it is godlike and, and and i think that we're living in an age and you know i think that you know people would always say that about fundamentalist religious people but I think that, you know, that now it doesn't matter w- what ideology uh, you're holding, mostly the ways that uh, uh, ideologies are being put to the world today, they say basically, we got it. You you dumb guys, you didn't get it, but we got it. So shut up and do this, you know. 
And it doesn't matter if it's about a climate change or about a, 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 a how do you say, vaccinations mm-hmm. or about political issues. The idea is that it's not like kind of, wow, this is complicated. I almost got it. I think maybe we do that. It's move aside, you know, you asshole. You don't know how to do anything. And and this, and this and there is something about these things that I think that, you know, it's very much amplified by social media, but but that when you see people, for example, I don't know, uh, storming uh, the Pentagon, you know, uh, or going to the Capitol, then mm-hmm. then this wouldn't have happened twenty years ago because basically in the zeitgeist, people wouldn't feel entitled, you know, to say, ah, oh, you know, I think the direction went this way. Uh, where is my hat with the horns? Come on, Jenny, we're going. You know, it, it won't go this way. You know, we say, <laughs> oh my God, you know, that unbelievable. I suspect it. But now you don't suspect, you know, everything is known. And I see it in Israel that, you know, in Israel, we are, we have the same kind of binary rift. In Israel, it's mostly between uh, religious Jews uh, who are more to the right wing and the uh, liberal people who, who, you know, fight for, for equality, but what I see is that you know that this disagreement always existed, but now I see the kind of the lack of respect, not even for the views that other people hold, but for what they are, you know, for their genetics. You know, if you are if you are with from one side and you look at the other, they all look to you like some walking piles of I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. It's in in. You know, even you writing the story, I don't know how long it was ago, years ago, and to me it still stays, like, relative, you know, how, I don't know, it's not that this person, the bus driver, uh, thought he was God, but he, you know, was kind of a God to someone, you know, to where it's like, okay, I know how I affect people. And then he's, I don't know, it's just an interesting idea. He's merciful. And then, yeah, and, and that's, the, that's the thing, because, you know, many people do things in the name of God. You know, many, many people were murdered from all religions in the name of God. And and the, and I think that that, that it's, it's very easy for me, you know, any anything I would want to do right now, I could justify it a... Uh, by God, by God's will, because mm-hmm. because you know uh, if I uh, would want to take revenge on you, then God is vengeful, you know. And if mm-hmm. I would want uh, uh, to outsmart you, then God is wise, you know. Mm-hmm. And if I would want to ask you for a debt, then I bet that God is sexy too. Come on, so I'm <laughs> so so it, it's this kind of thing that you know that has. All the aspect, you know, we are in God's image, let's say, if we believe that. So if we're in God's image, everything in us came from God. So this idea of saying, ah, but this is God's will. So I say, okay, everything is God's will, you know? And yeah, me, yeah. Fart, me farting is God's will, you know? Otherwise, it would have built me in a different way. You know, it's not a, the fact that, that we are a part of creation doesn't give you this kind of a leverage of saying, ha-ha, this is right. I say, no, this is not right. This is here. This exists. We exist. Celebrate that. But don't say that because we exist, then I have to go to, to the synagogue or to the church or 
to call you he, she, them. You know, we exist. And then let's work our way up and basically, you know, try to do as little harm as we can and and live our life and not try to kind of a, a, a pigeonhole, you know, our entire multilayered existence into something that we can explain in a tweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just feel like it's people, I don't know, I don't want to say they... They want to escape the liability or the accountability by uh, saying it's God's will. But I'm sure there are people that are sincere out there somewhere that do believe. No, I, I believe that they believe in that. And you know what? I Not only I believe that they believe in that, they're right. Because if there is a God, then what you're doing kind of in the peripheral is like, I mean, God has many wills. You know, he can be merciful and he can be vengeful. You know, it depends what day you catch him. So if I go <laughs> if I go and I say, you know, I'm doing God's will, then I said, when was the last time he texted you? You know, what is his will now? You know, it's really it's I think I think I think that this idea of reduction of an obscure uh, uh, and transcendental idea to this kind of idea that I'll give you 20 rules and a guy with a beard that will tell you when you're doing things wrong. You know, I say, you know, it's it's disrespectful to God. Yeah, no, definitely. Nobody would have done that to Elon Musk, Elon Musk, but to God, they say, oh, yeah, we can do that. You know, he's not here. He's not in the board. <laughs> <laughs> I um, There was a story that always resonated with me, and I believe it's from the bus driver wanting to be God. It's called uh, Good Intentions. And I don't know if you you know uh, I, you've yeah. written so many stories. I I don't know what you may. Remember oh, if I want it. to remember them, who remembers them? You know, uh, it's really. But it, good, good intention. I can I can uh, tell it in three sentences. It's uh-huh. basically a story about a a hired killer, uh, who gets a contract to kill the only person who ever did a good thing for him. Who it's this philanthropist who helped him when he was in orphan house mm-hmm. and basically he decides not to kill him and to tell this guy that that uh, somebody's out to kill kill them and apparently this philanthropist is this kind of compulsive do-gooder mm-hmm. this guy who's so empathic that is all the time moved by other people's pain and he just wants to end it he can't he can't bring himself to kill himself but he keeps Paying people to kill him, but no, none of them will kill them. Kill him because he's a good guy, and nobody wants to kill a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I've always, I don't know, it's it's resonated with me that idea because, especially now, there's like a big boom on mental health and people's health, uh, like you know, with their minds and stuff like that. And I remember working with a gentleman that he would always want to buy breakfast for everyone. Or if there was a homeless man, hey, yeah, I'll give you a dollar and or or twenty dollars or whatever. And he was like such a good guy to where I feel like people take took advantage of him. And this story always uh res- resonated with me about that because people if you're uh like you said in the story, if you're like a crazy mean person, mentally speaking. People will say, "Hey, you need help. You 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 need help." But then, if you're compulsively good and it's making you miserable, 
no one's gonna bat an eye because it benefits everyone you know and it, it it goes to the idea to me of like mental health and how uh we're fine with you know some of it but others uh obviously not so much you know yeah it's uh, you know I, th- I think that that when you live in a society and i'm not saying it in criticism just saying it is a fact then basically there is the personal aspect and there is the the social aspect and from society's perspective for example if if you're a psychopath ex killer it's a problem oh yeah but if you <laughs> but if you're somebody who's very miserable then it's only a problem to yourself you know nobody has to run so so I think that that, that there is the, this kind of tendency that you don't really uh, look at the system and you say is everybody happy but you say is anyone running after me with an X no okay so I think everything is okay you know that's the way that's the way societies function yeah and I love that he he you can tell he's sick that he's tortured. And I love the end of it when he, you know, the guy's like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And even then he's like, that's fine. I, uh, <laughs> I'll i buy your coffee. Take care. You know, you could tell he's he's just a sick man, just as sick as a serial killer, just as sick as, you know, a mentally ill person because he's unable to sleep. He's unable to eat, thinking of all the problems in the world. And as long as it benefits society. Or, you know, doesn't really bother anyone like the serial killer. Uh, no one, they they just let it go on. And it's, I don't know, I, I suffer with a little bit of mental illness. And it, that story really, like, got to me, like, man, you know, like, there are people out there that, that could, that would bankrupt themselves to help someone else. And no one would say, hey, you know, uh, you're, you're sick, too. You need help, you know. <laughs> but no, I, re- I and, really love that story. Oh, thanks. And and the uh, and you you're uh, you you kind of you being you meet somebody to deal with your problems and stuff, or or it's some or you just deal with them yourself. Uh, I mean, I take a lot of medication. It's it's more like you know I'm afraid to leave the house. The kind of agoraphobia where. Uh, I go too far from my house and I get kind of like scared and uh, stuff like that. So it's uh, I don't know. It, it's been an issue forever. And then it it was one of those things where I learned to cope and you keep coping, 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 coping. And then finally it, it breaks you. You know what I mean? Like to where it's like, man, it it just fell all on down. top of me. Yeah. It, and it's. It's exhausting, but at the same time, you know, uh, I I should have, uh, what's the word, like taking care of it earlier, but I was just trying to work, take care of my family, uh, stuff like that. You know, that was the priority. I, I didn't care about uh, my happiness. I didn't care about uh, <laughs> my time. As long as I go to work, take care of my family, I'm fine. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Yeah, I, I guess in my culture, uh, the like Hispanic, the Mexican culture, you just want to work for your family and make sure they're taken care of. Not that that's not other cultures too, but yeah, uh, but, uh, but 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 you know that I think that what 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 we're really feeling in this world, and I think that we felt it in the COVID, and we still feel it now, 
is that people always define themselves by the work you know people mm-hmm. would go to the grave saying you know I'm a sailor you know I'm a shoesmith I'm a postman I don't know it would be their identity and I think that you know now we're living in an age where we suddenly be- begin to understand with technology that we're not as crucial or as necessary as we thought we were and this idea that maybe you know with some AI and stuff you know they don't really need us then it really kind of uh, amplifies this this uh, question of uh, of a uh, meaning or existence because because if you say you know what first I'm gonna end this month you know get get along with my med boss bring the check home then I'll think about my life but the moment that people will say you know what no obstacles think about your life it's one of all thing of a thing to think about you know to to build your life from scratch right now you are kind of put in a box but if I would say to you you know tomorrow you wake up no work no problem no just do the right thing you know so half of the people are gonna hang themselves for sure <laughs> <laughs> and the other half are gonna help them down and say come on Greg stop that you can cope with that <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right it's I don't know it, the world's strange because I'm I'm 36 years old and I've seen like you know the world where at the beginning of my life or at least in my teens mental health wasn't that big of an issue it was like oh get over it, blah 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 now it's a huge thing and we see like the internet with the influx of uh people's opinions seemingly meaning more at least to them and to the world but it's just a strange uh i don't know to live in in that kind of middle ground where you saw the past and now you're living in the future of yeah uh, i i i i think that you know the, the whole idea is that the the processes the change process accelerates so for example you know when you were a when you were a kid then i don't know then they just started to have uh, cell phones mm-hmm. oh, but uh, <clears throat> but since then they had the better cell phones and then they you could communicate with satellites and you can do this and you can do that so so I think that there is something about these accelerations that you know that when my mother uh, when I was five years old they put the first ATM machine in my town so my father uh, tried to teach my mother how to use an ATM machine And she said, "You know, I'm not going to get it. I don't want it." And my father looked at her and he said, "Listen, it's very simple, and you need to learn it, and the moment that you learn it, you're going to use it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. And she learned it, and you know, and for the next forty five years she she would use this this technique with the ATM code. And then uh, I'm saying, today when I go to my my son, I say, "Hey, listen, how do you work this app?" He says, "Dad, don't worry." Don't learn it too much in two weeks you're gonna have something better you know so this idea that you <laughs> that you're like kind of a hamster running in a wheel it's basically the stuff that you do is not necessarily the stuff that you'll always do the proficiencies proficiencies that you earn are proficiencies that maybe won't be useful so so there is something very very confusing you know if you're a monkey and you know and your dad wants to teach you how to climb a tree and you say, Dad, would I ever use that? Maybe I'll go to high tech, you know, I don't know. Why, why, I don't like 
climbing on trees, you know, but monkeys don't that do that. They, they learn how to climb because they know they're going to use it. And now we're living in a time where basically so many uh, things that people took pride in. For example, ama- ama- people who had the amazing memory, mm-hmm. you know, the, you people used to respect guys who could uh, remember phone numbers. <laughs> you know, yeah. navig- n- navigate, knew all the, little, all, the, all the little streets to go through. And then suddenly these proficiencies that, that you know, that are uh, incredibly important for an animal survival become almost irrelevant. So I, so I think that in, in this kind of frame, it's basically, it's like you're asking yourself, what are we playing? Is it a baseball, football, or maybe we're boxing? I don't know. Something, you know, it's like the rules keep changing. My, my, my son always says that, uh, that, uh, uh, the, that humanity is a Netflix series. And that that we are in the uh, last episode of the season, so always <laughs> in the last episode of the season, things move fast, and all kinds of questions are being opened. So, uh-huh. so we're we're in, on living in a cliffhanger, <laughs> and we don't know how it's going to end. There's no spoilers. Uh, and I have here. Uh, I re- I don't remember when I found the the, the wrist cutters uh, love story. And I remember watching this movie, right? Because I thought it was interesting. This was back when uh, Blockbuster existed. And I think I found it, you know, it was like a $5 for four movies or something. And I remember watching it and the way it ended, I was like, that ending's kind of, eh, I think it feels it should have ended this way. And then I read your story and it ended the way... I wanted you it to it, end. Huh? Yeah, I was like, that's, I mean, it's the darker way, but it's the the better uh, plot, you know what I mean? Uh, and I just wanted to ask you about, like, uh, may, I, I don't know if it's like, it's an old story, right? It's pretty yeah, yeah. old. Uh, how was it making, because nowadays suicide is such a, a hot topic, or maybe it even was back then. But for you to make like light of it and kind of humorous, I always thought it was it was uh, hilarious. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. So so first of all, I want to say that you know that the uh, writing the book that inspired wrist cutters, uh, it it basically uh, it was uh, self treating my own traumas because uh, my best friend uh, shot himself. When I was with him, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, a few people that were very close to me committed suicide. So the question of kind of a of of taking your own life was not was something that was always kind of an option or on the table because I saw people doing it, you know, around me, yeah. and I think that uh, that uh, there's always this kind of thing in writing. It's First and foremost, some some kind of a way of a, a convincing myself, you know, that a, that I choose life, that I want to live, that I don't want to end it, that I want to see what's going to happen tomorrow. And I think that a, that I wrote this this a, book from from this place, and even though all the people there living the afterlife. I, I imagine them like people I know from around me. 
And the idea was that these uh, these people who kill themselves in the story, they're a little bit like people who kind of lost uh, their yearning, who lost their passion. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in that sense, I didn't feel that I was making fun of a of a, a pe- dead people I, or people who committed suicide. I was making fun of the people who were alive, who mm-hmm. turned into metaphorically dead in my stories. But 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 you know, it's like I know that a, a, I a people in Israel we have the, those kind of phone lines for people who feel that they are in a. a emotional and mental uh, risk, you know, so you call them for help. So uh, they told me more than once that sometimes when people call, call and they're suicidal, they read them my stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because because they say there is something in your mentality that is very close to the m- m- mind of a suicidal person, but somehow you kind of collect it and you take it to something that is kind of optimistic or but they say that it communicates very well with people who are in deep depression i guess maybe there is a side of me that is in constant constant deep depression or all this but uh, you know <laughs> when you when you kind of uh, mix it with other things it comes out uh, made up stories <laughs> yeah no no and, and i love the story like i said um the movie i saw it and i was like ah, i think it should end this way and then read your neller's happy campers and i was like oh okay it did end that way you know so that's so so, so i have a funny story about the ending of of the film because goran dukic the the talented director who shot it uh, uh, basically when he changed the ending because you know even without getting into spoiler my 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 book ends with a sad ending and his film ends with a happy ending then uh, then he was very reluctant about it and we talked about that and i and he said you know i kind of i want to shoot two endings and i don't know which one to pick and i said to him which one do you like better and he like he said i like the happy ending better so i said to him what's your dilemma and he said i don't want to change your book and I said to him, you know what? You pick the ending you want. You go to the premiere. You come back. You pick, take my book from the shelf. And you see that the book hadn't changed. You're only making your movie. And I, I feel that when people do an adaptation, it should always be their interpretation. The lo- lo- loyalty should be with the reader of the text and not with the people who do, who wrote it. It's not a Bible. And mm-hmm. for me, it was very interesting to see that, you know, that uh, Goran basically... Uh, uh, being born in former Yugoslavia, living in LA uh, for most of his grown-up life, the takes that he had on the story was very, uh, very interesting for for me. Suddenly, it, it became more kind of a, a California slackery, you know, kind of a, a spiritual Buddhist thing, and and it connected in a in a wonderful way. And and as a writer, I think that the most exciting and moving things that can happen to you is that you write a story somebody does something with it you know a movie makes writes a song does something and when you listen to it you say oh my god it's him but it's also me Mm -hmm. it's like you know 
It's like when you have a child. Oh, he has his father's eyes. You know, there is this kind of, I, where do I end and where this guy starts? And and there is something beautiful in it, you know, very uh, comforting. Yeah, no, you could see like the seeds of your uh, story in there as well as like, you know, his interpretation, which is good because people would probably think, oh, he's just copying it word for word. What's the point of his interpretation, you know? So I completely understand that. Uh, it's like, it's like I must say that uh, uh, my favorite film adaptation is Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if you read Heart of Darkness, then basically the stories are so different because uh, Heart of Darkness takes place in Africa in the beginning of the, the 20th century and Apocalypse Now is in Vietnam and it's in, during the Vietnam War. So everything, like the 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 screenplay writer and the director, they changed everything, but they kept the essence of of, of this idea of humanity going into nature and becoming primal. You know, so 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 I think that these are the the, the most interesting adaptations. Are really when somebody reads a book and says, "Oh my God, that reminds me of my time in Vietnam." You know. And mm-hmm. that through one text you get into another. It's really amazing. <laughs> no, it is. And I was wondering, you know, uh, stories like this, like, uh, you know, Neller's Happy Campers and a lot of the other stories that are, I, I don't know, I, I love them. Uh, they might have like mild, you know, explicit things, a little bit of racism. But to me, that's the world. Um, is there anything now that you're uh, more mature, I'll say, uh, with a child and all that, that you that you regret, not regret writing, but you look back at your writings and you're like, man, maybe I pushed it too far or uh, well, this was something I would have changed or or you even look back and you're like, man, I wrote that. That's that's good. That, you know, that's gold, you know, like. Is it, do you ever have those feelings like that? I I I have that a lot. I think I think that you know it's really a, it's looking at the older work is a little bit like a looking at a, at a photo album, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you look at my photo album when I was twenty, for some reason, I only wore a, a t-shirts that were like fisherman net, <laughs> you know, where everybody can see that I'm very hairy. And they can see my nipples, you know. <laughs> and for some reason, and for some reason, I thought that this was the coolest thing, you know. So whenever, when I see it, when I look at this photo, I don't say to myself, "Who is this stupid guy with the weird shirt?" You know. But <laughs> I say to myself, "Yeah, that's how I used to be. Wow, I was really weird then, you know." But but this idea of kind of of a documenting pieces of you across time, so. So I think that I think that I'm not talking about craftsmanship, but I'm talking about the story themselves. Then I, when I read the old story, I say, "Oh my God, I really suffered during my army service." I don't say to myself, "I wouldn't have said that now," because of course I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't wear the fisherman net uh, shirts now. But when I look at it, I say, "Oh yeah, I, I was young. I believed that I had the body of uh, Apollo or whatever, you know." <laughs> and and I want to say to to you about this idea about writing more extreme or less extreme. That you know, I I I may I write this newsletter, and in the newsletter sometimes I have this uh, column. I call it a uh, human rights. 
which means like human rights, you, rights, you know, uh, not a... Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's a lot about some kind of connection between uh, art and my, and my life, you know? So uh, in the latest column I wrote, uh, I wrote about how I enjoy spitting. I like to... <laughs> I love that. I really do. I, I, what can I do? So... <laughs> So when I, so in the economy says it, you know that the, my wife says, you, you know, it's like for me, it's a few problems. One that you spit in the street, you know, it's a problem. But the other that you don't try to hide it. And the third one that you always seem so happy when you do that, you know <laughs> yeah, and, you should at least feel shame about it. Or like kind of, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we did, you know, uh-huh. it's weird. so, so, uh, so I said, to, I, I say in the camera, I said to her, look, uh, the idea that there was this kind of disgusting thing inside my lung, and now I have a chance to evict it, you know, to get this piece of crap out of me mm-hmm. makes me very happy. And the fact that I think that every person who looks at us and say, you know what? I prefer to have this uh, little piece of spit on the pavement and not inside your lung. It's also a given, you know, like, why, like, you know, I'm doing a good thing. I'm, hey guys, look at me. I'm feeling better, you know? So, so, so in the text, I, I, I compare uh, spitting to writing. <laughs> in that sense that, you know, that you can, you can write a story or a song and people will say, Why did you write that? That's so offensive, you know. But you say, I wrote it, you know. I'm I'm not take a, creating damage in the world. I'm not burning down villages. I'm not giving people order. Yeah, I go, you don't like it that I spit on the pavement, lady? Okay, move to the other pavement. It's mm-hmm. okay. Let's mm-hmm. see if you find a policeman in time. It will take you five hours, you know, but... But 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 the 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 entire idea in this about this kind of a, a thing is that when you write you are not a teacher teaching a little children how to behave when you write you give some kind of documentation of the human condition and it has to be sincere and it has to expose things that are usually not exposed because if it's things that are already exposed then who needs to write stories for that you You need to be able to pick into people's mind and to see the things that you usually won't meet when they have a dialogue with you and to meet all kinds of people, even the people that you know in real life you wouldn't want to meet. And I think that this is why uh, 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 there is something about you know I think that in, in uh, people always talk about safe space, you know this idea. Hey, mm-hmm. I thought this was a safe space. Why are you saying that I'm short? I thought it was a safe space. Uh-huh. Because I'm short even in, even in, even when I'm in, in safe space I'm short but this idea <laughs> this, this weird concept of safe, safe safe space which I the thing about it is that when people say safe space then our uh, definition of safety is different so let's say if I'm an elderly uh, homophobic uh, if a homophobic, elderly person goes to a shopping mall 
and he sees a, a pair, a, a gay couple, then it's not a safe space for him, you know? While for other people, if they go to a shopping mall and somebody reads from the scriptures something, then it's not a safe space for them because they're atheistic or believe in another religion. So I'm saying that this, this entire uh, a con- concept of creating safe space in life isn't true. Life isn't sp- isn't safe. It's never mm. safe. Mm. So the re- the only real safe space for me is writing. Writing is like this real padded room, you know? I'm saying if you want to punch your neighbor, write a story about that. <laughs> you know, re- it's really, it's, it's better for your neighbor and it's better for you. Uh-huh. So I'm saying that the fact that people... A, a treat fiction or you know as if it's something real that they say uh, you know you know it's really it's a because for example you, like uh, you, you when you talked about my stories then you say some of the people in my stories is uh, use a uh, racist language mm-hmm. you know they can say hey uh, hey Jew come here or I don't know hey uh, or something but mm-hmm. the the question is Are the stories racist now no. if yeah so, so that's the thing so I tell you something because because uh, uh, I love Mexico and you have a, a Mexican roots and Mexico is basically I think maybe the country outside of Israel where I've uh, the warmest audience you know ever mm-hmm. so <clears throat> when Trump wanted to build the wall I I wrote a piece for an American publication. And in the piece I said it was just after he got elected he said I said that after he wanted to grab all the women by the the pussies now he wants to grab all the Mexicans by the huevos <laughs> and and I said this is no way to govern you know this is the, this is where to get into trouble you know so so the American publications say we will not publish it say why said because it's insulting toward Mexican people. Why? Because you say huevos. So, you know, so Trump will grab them by the huevos, then you colonize their language. And I say, yeah, but I write this, I, I'm writing that, that he's, Trump is an asshole and that he's mistreating Mexicans. They say, mm-hmm. yeah, but you are using the language. You have no... So in the end, I got so tired that I said, you know what? Don't publish it. And I published this piece in a Mexican newspaper. And in the Mexican newspapers, they had no problem because they also mm-hmm. were feeling that Trump was tr- trying to grab them by the huevos. So it was okay to say it. So I'm saying that, you know, it's like uh, the, the idea that if we make the language correct and clean, if we make the fiction beautiful, it will not help us because we don't live in fiction. We live in real life. You know, mm-hmm. when I watch Netflix series, there's always equal representation. You know, I see Hispanic CEOs, women fi- flying planes. And I say, oh, my God, I want to live in Netflix. But then I go to the street, you know, and I I see, you know, another uh, white heterosexual CEO shouting at somebody who was not from Israel. So so I'm saying, how about you fix life, you know, and leave literature alone? You know, it's, it's when I was a kid, I... Uh, uh, I remember they had a couple of plane crashes. So they made a rule in all the airplanes, a company in the world, that doesn't matter which airline you, you fly, what time 
they're not allowed to screen movies in which planes crashes in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I say, take this energy and fix your engines. I don't mind being in a plane <laughs> and seeing a movie about a crashing plane, but I do mind being in a plane, seeing a Western and crashing into a mountain. That's the thing that bothers me, you know? <laughs> and that's the thing we should deal with. This is the thing that we should, we should uh, police and confine and control not people's idea and mind you know if I say to you oh my god I'm going to write this story in which uh, I pretend to be a hat Lorenzo and you buy me and you buy me in a store and I don't tell you I'm a human being I just keep saying I'm a hat and I see it on your head and every time you take a selfie I make a copy and then I show it to my friend and I say hey look at this damn fuck I've been sitting on his head for five months and he didn't even know so I'm not doing anything. I'm just thinking. I'm just imagining. You know, it's okay. I can write stories, you know, where me, Biden and his wife are doing a, a threesome and my wife wouldn't mind because it's a story. It's yeah. it's not in the real world. And, and I think that this is a horrible time for people who are thinkers and who likes to imagine things because because uh, You've, you are being confined from all directions. You know, Rushdie can get stabbed, you know, in the name of Islam. A work of Van Gogh can get turn, tarnished in the name of uh, ecology, you know, and the people can, I don't know, uh, stop a reading in the name of uh, uh, feminism, all kinds of things. I say, take this energy change things that are real you know it's mm-hmm. really like you know when people talk so much about Kanye West give giving anti-semitic remarks you know so I'm saying it's not real it's a tweet it's a guy writing a sentence you know when I was in school I would write the teacher is stupid you know and it's not nice but but it didn't Turner stupid you know she was stupid to begin with you know I was just writing something on a wall and I'm saying that we we take so much importance to 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 sentences and sometimes so little important to you to human life you know it's it's really I mean I if Kanye West says uh, you know I think Hitler is a cool guy then he's a guy who tries to create a provocation and sells the All kinds of shoes and things very well and for me this is not news you know news is like 35 people dying you know in, in bombing in you the Ukraine mm-hmm. you cannot uh, balance all those things together and say oh it's this smash and this match is my experience and in my experience if somebody says to me uh-huh, you know here's a selfie with me sitting on your head then it insults me or hurts me just as much as knowing that the uh, 500 Ukrainian people died. So this is in your universe, but in the world, there are people who breathe and stop breathing and people who just talk shit and write shit and tweet shit. And who cares? No, you're absolutely right. People think that the world revolves around them and the world just revolves. <laughs> why, why, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to say on the line of like, not everyone is important in this world like there are people that everyone has a story you know as far as life goes but yes yeah, some story of those people's stories 
they don't really matter, you know. But, but no, I, I no, I think I think that it, it it's very subjective and it matters to some and it matters less to other. But I think that the important thing that the the important power behind behind it and it has to do with with, with something that that I, I believe that we both suffer from, you know, because all humanity suffers from is this idea of anxiety mm-hmm. and or, of seeking safety. You know, I, th- I think it's that, you know, that uh, uh, with me, I'm a bit of an agoraphobe, mm-hmm. but the, the funny thing is that if I'm on stage, I have no problem. <laughs> it, I, it's, it's difficult for me, no, really, to be in the audience because I don't know what's going on. But when I'm on stage, I feel that I know what's going on and everything is okay. But mm-hmm. but I can identify with that. But I think that the idea with anxiety that anxiety is something that protects us to some extent, mm-hmm. but mostly limits us. Because we're scared, then we're doing less of the things that we would have done when we're not scared. Now, I, I'm saying the the communication, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a, if it's movies or if it's stand-up uh, comedy or whatever, you know, then then uh, the the Uh, the, the whole idea is that we can overcome our anxiety because my fear when I act in real life, I don't want to hurt people and I don't want to be hurt. So if I do something or say something, I can piss people off and they'll beat me up, you know, or mm-hmm. I can hurt them and they go and car- cry in the corner. I wouldn't want it, neither of that to, to, to happen. So many things that I feel and resonate in me, I don't expose them because I say I just want to go home and everything will be okay. But I'm saying the moment that I write it on a page, then I say to everybody, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. You know, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. It's a story. I'm making it up. This is just the bit where I'm eating the heart of, of uh, Anthony Hopkins uh, <laughs> and saying, ha ha, got you from silence of the land. I don't know. It's I can say that and don't stop me from saying that because Anthony Hopkins is okay. And I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just <laughs> writing stuff that is in my mind. I'm telling you a dream that I had. If in my dream, you know, I I bomb planet Earth, then you don't put me in jail for that. It's just something, an image that I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. No, and, and I'm sorry, I don't want to keep you uh, really like too long. And I really appreciate your time. A uh, couple more things. I know just real quick. You had the story uh what do we have in our pockets I yeah. really love it uh the whole idea that I don't know to me it represented like that you're always ready and there's an idea that like fate is in control of you but you could kind of sway fate to a certain direction if you have the right quote unquote tools or the right you know item at the right time. And I was just asking do you do you believe in like the whole idea of free will like or do you think our fates are already like written you know well first of all, first of all i I want to say about about the story is that the guy in the story he has a lot of stuff in his pockets and he believes that this will come handy if he'll ever have a chance to meet the love of his life you know mm-hmm. so so I'm saying like you know i i i think I think that the uh, that for me it's a story of kind of acknowledging your difference saying people tell themselves one story and I tell myself another story people say don't put all this stuff in your pockets and I say 
I can tell myself a story where it's really useful, you know. So, so I, so I think it's about this kind of legitimate, legitimate legitimation. Saying the fact that my story is different than yours doesn't mean that uh, it's uh, it's not a good story. It's not a it's not a valid story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but 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 the question the question about you know a a predetermined word or or free will then basically I'm saying it you know if you would show me a planet I would inspect it thoroughly but since I'm a player since I'm holding shares here I would say just for my interest sake that uh, I, uh, my free will can affect the world because I'm saying if this would be a Hollywood production if I have a free will. I get I have a better and bigger role, you know. Mm-hmm. It's more nice to be on the set thinking that you can affect the way that you live. And I, so I'm saying, since I don't I don't have all the info, and since it's an arbitrary decision, then I'm going with the ones that serves me better. Better. Mm-hmm. And and again, one last question: What do you think about artificial intelligence, the AI? Do you think it's uh, going to hurt creatives or help creatives in the long run as far as i know you you've done a lot of creative like your stories obviously directing movies uh writing uh graphic novels and all that do you think it's going to hurt more or help help more uh so i think you know it, it, it's all about changes you know and i and for me what i like you know with the ai it can go to many directions I tell you the scenario that I fear the most is not the one that uh, the, I, theoretically or technically I believe that you know AI can write better stories than human beings, stories that will be so sophisticated and, and elaborate that only another AI can understand them. No human being will be even able to understand them. But the idea is, uh, what is your purpose when you write? So when I write a story. I say, you know what? I don't know. I feel like crying, uh, and I and I don't know. Maybe I have hemorrhoids too, man. I'm I'm writing a story. Yeah, I'm writing a story. So what's really happening is that I'm trying to communicate to you something. Basically, when I write a story, I want you to know how I feel, how confused I am, to feel my emotions. Now, when an AI writes a story is not focused in transferring his emotion or his being because he doesn't have that, but is focused on making you pleased. You know, so so I think that the, the, the difference between, let's say, a work of fiction written by a human being and a work of fiction written by AI is a little bit like talking to a guy in a donut store or talking to Siri. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, you know, it's. It, I think both of you, of us, are anxious people. It's safer to talk to Siri. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, it's really we we say to Siri, you know, and you know, she never tells us dirty racist jokes. She mm-hmm. never argues that we didn't give her the five bucks, even when we give her the five. She's really okay. So Siri would be a little bit like what I would imagine art coming from an AI. It will be an art that will not uh, bother you, that will not uh, get you confused or obscure about anything. It will feel like uh, this perfect foot massage. And Mm -hmm. I think 
that basically humanity in general is losing its tolerance. You know, it's really like, a, it's like if instead of walking from place to place, you would use a scooter, you won't be able to walk. And we are losing our tolerance all over. Now, mm-hmm. what I believe that our danger in a meeting with art is that we losing our tolerance to artistic challenges basically could create something that will be totally effect-driven. You know, it's like you read a story and it will be so funny and it will get you horny and uh, you cry in the end. You know, but <laughs> free for the price of one. But, but, the, but, but the thing with stories is not that they, you know, they move you from side to side, they push this button, they push that button. Is that they give you something that you need to digest. And what you have to digest is this kind of a primal meaning of, of the person who wrote them. And if this person doesn't have one, then it will be very easy to digest, you know, no thoughts. And we began with God wants us to fart and with AI would want us to stop farting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's well said. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Carrot, uh, Etra Carrot, for your time. I really Thanks. appreciate it. I really... And I hope that one day we'll meet in person. Where, where do you live? I'm in San Antonio, Texas. I'm in. Oh, okay. It's going yeah. to take a while until I get there. But <laughs> you never know. The really the world know. keeps getting smaller and smaller. But uh, I I really think you're a legend. I look up to you. Uh, Thank you. As far as your writings go, they make me think. You know, you can write how you talk. Like th- that's what I've always liked about your writing is it's as if you're having a conversation with yourself. Or with your buddies, where there there's imperfections, but they're real. You know the dialogue and all that. Uh, and I don't know. And I say I say perfection is for losers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I've always thought of like uh, Bob Ross with his happy accidents. You know, you make an accident, and it's like, oh, you know, you uh, you you lead into it, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate your time because I've always, like I said, I, I put you in that category with Rod Serling, Raul Dahl, Thanks. and I have you there. And I really appreciate your time. Uh, I hope you nothing but, you know, continued success uh, and, and good health. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming. And on the same, same to you. So thanks. Uh-huh. Bye bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.